from the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio. This is In Black America. The one thing that I've really learned, and, and I think it could be like the, the key to my longevity, is consistency. You know, if you bring something consistent, then, you know, you'll, you'll, um, you'll develop an audience that will go with you and stay with you throughout your career. And that's what I've always tried to do. You can probably go back to my very first album, which is back in 1988, and also play the current album, uh, the Soul Survivor album. And you can intertwine the songs. You can intermingle the songs on a playlist, and you won't ever get the sensation that one song was recorded, you know, 30 years ago, and another song was recorded, you know, 30 days ago. You just wouldn't be able to tell. So I've always learned to be consistent. Singer-songwriter Will Downing. Downing has been called the Prince of Sophisticated Soul. Downing, he has not been one to go along to get along. He has maintained his roots. Over his 30-year career, Downing has recorded 20 solo albums, proving that fans are nowhere near to counting him out. Downing has a distinctive, recognizable voice in R&B, soul, and jazz. Downing started his career in the 1980s when more talented singers who had better management and connection and were willing to do whatever it took to attain mainstream success. In 2000, Downing had some very serious health issues that threatened his career. He temporarily lost his ability to speak. He was bedridden and immobile, but he kept pushing on. His latest CD entitled Soul Survivor is a fitting tribute to the longevity of Downing's three-decade career as a talented recording artist. I'm Johnny O'Hanson Jr. and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, the Prince of Sophisticated Soul, Will Downing, In Black America. majority of the songs are original. I think we did like three remakes on the record. Uh, and when you hear them, you'll obviously know them and, and you'll sing along. But it's a it's an it's an album that is comprised of kind of classic R&B, uh, which has sort of been like pushed to the side these days. I'm not sure why by the younger generation, but mm-hmm. you know, I try to stay true to form. It's what I've always loved. So it's classic R&B. There's also like some jazz flavorings to it as well. And there's some tempo, there's some up-tempo, there's some mid-tempo, there's some ballads on there. There's a little something on on this project for everyone. A couple of little instrumental uh, 
uh, standouts with Najee on a, on a song or two, with Phil Perry is singing along with me on one or two. The first single is a song entitled I'm Feeling the Love. It's a duet between myself and the very lovely and talented Miss Avery Sunshine. Will Downing has been among the steadfast and most productive recording artists of his generation. Starting out as a backup singer doing session work for the likes of Jennifer Holliday, Nona Hendrix, and Rose Royce. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, Downing grew up listening to Stevie Wonder, the OJs, Aretha Franklin, Donnie Hathaway, and Luther Vandross. In 1988, Downing signed his first recording contract with 4th and Broadway Records. For more than 30 years, Downing has been making grown folks music. People would always ask why he didn't conform to the music of the time, and he would say he knew what his strengths were, and he stuck to his convictions. He considered himself blessed to still be relevant and still in the game after all these years. Downing has recorded 20 solo records. His latest CD entitled Soul Survivor is a testament to his longevity. It's a blend of fresh originals and old school favorites. Oh man, Brooklyn was amazing, man. I mean, it kind of shaped me into the man that I am today. So uh, musically, man, uh, a great richness of of music history there, uh, a lot of things to, to draw from when I'm recording uh, as far as my growing up process is concerned. I studied music in Brooklyn at uh, at Erasmus Hall High School, which is an arts high school, and I also studied at Brooklyn College. So, you know, I'm Brooklyn through and through, my man. I heard that. And when did you realize that you had this gift of song? Well, if you talk to my parents, you know, they'll tell you that, you know, all, all people of color have the gift of song. So they didn't think I was special in any way. My, uh, one of my teachers sort of kind of, I guess sort of pointed them, kind of pointed me out saying that, you know, when they were listening to other kids sing that they heard something a little special in me. And, uh, you know, we kind of cultivated whatever it was from there, you know, by going to an art school and, and doing things on the weekends that was music related and, you know, it, it, it really uh, it really helped me quite a bit in my growth process as, as far as music is concerned. Who are some of the artists that particularly sparked your interest uh, early on? For me, I mean, the classic artists that, you know, some of which are still recording today. People like Stevie Wonder, the OJs, uh, Aretha Franklin, you know, obviously very influenced by the Motown sound. Uh, as far as some of my contemporaries, people like Teddy Pendergrass, you know, Isaac Hayes. Luther Vandross was a huge, you know, influence on me. Anita Baker, you know, people like that. So it, it, uh, Al Jarreau, you know, so mm-hmm. it's been a variety of people in different genres of music that I've uh, always enjoyed listening to. Did you major in music at Virginia Union? I did. I did. I majored in music at Virginia Union. Um, I wasn't supposed to. I actually wasn't even supposed to be going to <laughs> Virginia Union. I... Uh, Believe it or not, I was going into the service. I was going to be a Marine. Mm -hmm. A buddy of mine was going in for the the buddy-buddy program. We're going to put in 20 years together and and retire like in our late 30s. And uh, went down to the recruiter's office, and uh, I wasn't of age as of yet. I was 17. He was 18. So I had to go home and get permission from my parents in order to to sign up. And my parents would not sign. (laughs) So I had a whole year of like, okay, what am I going to do? And just by coincidence or God's grace, I ran into uh, a teacher, the same teacher that, you know, discovered that uh, they heard a little something special in me singing. 
uh, ran into that same teacher just coincidentally, and uh, he told me about a school that was looking for students that, uh, and they were giving out scholarships as far as the arts are concerned, and that ended up being Virginia Union University. So and the pretending school and and getting a good education and also you know furthering my music my musical knowledge speaking of god's grace you've been fortunate enough to be in this industry almost 30 years now what are some of the lessons you've learned over this tenure well uh the one thing that i've really learned and and i think it could be like the, the key to my longevity is consistency you know if you bring something consistent then you know you'll You'll um, you'll develop an audience that will go with you and stay with you throughout your career. And that's what I've always tried to do. You can probably go back to my very first album, which is back in 1988, and also play the current album, uh, the Soul Survivor album. And you can intertwine the songs. You can intermingle the songs on a playlist, and you won't ever get the sensation that one song was recorded you know, 30 years ago and another song was recorded, you know, 30 days ago. You just wouldn't be able to tell. So I've always learned to be consistent. When you first started out in this industry, you bucked the norm. You didn't go along to get along with the music that was current of the day in the 1980s. What made you make that decision to, to go your own way? Well, I'm not going to say I completely, you know, went against the system. What I did was I sort of used a little bit of what was current, mm-hmm. but also used a lot of what I sincerely love and what I believe in musically. So I kind of married those two worlds together. And that's, you know, still kind of what I do today. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, one to push against progress, but I think that, you know, this whole thing was based on a great foundation. So if you use a lot of the foundation and a little bit of what's out today, you'll find yourself with a new sound. And your current CD, Soul Survivor, uh, tell us about that project. It's a 10-song compilation, um, that of which the majority of the songs are original. I think we did like three remakes on the record. Uh, And when you hear them, you'll obviously know them and, and you'll sing along. But it's a... It's an it's an album that is comprised of kind of classic R&B, uh, which has sort of been like pushed to the side these days. I'm not sure why by the younger generation, but, mm-hmm. you know, I try to stay true to form. It's what I've always loved. So it's classic R&B. There's also like some jazz flavorings to it as well. And there's some tempo, there's some up-tempo, there's some mid-tempo, there's some ballads on there. There's a little something on on this project for everyone. A couple of instrumental uh, uh, standouts with Najee on a, on a song or two, with Phil Perry is singing along with me on one or two. The first single is a song entitled I'm Feeling the Love. It's a duet between myself and the very lovely and talented Miss Avery Sunshine. So it's a very well-rounded album, and it's one of the best ones that I've ever recorded.
tell us about that process in putting a, a CD together. Well, it's very interesting because this project sort of started out one way and ended up another. It started out almost as a duet project. I think I just mentioned mm -hmm. all of the people that have participated on the record, like your Avery Sunshine, your Phil Perry, your Najee's, Mesa. And it started out that way. And then somewhere during the process, I ended up writing a song that I fell in love with. And I said, okay, I ain't sharing this with anybody. And then, we, you know, the, that process went downhill from there uh, as far as uh, subject matter-wise. But as far as recording, I normally don't have like a, a kind of set way of doing things. I kind of do it, you know, I kind of write these songs and produce them and perform them. They're kind of like made to order. So if they feel good, that's mm -hmm. what I go with. If I, if there's someone that I, I've heard record or recorded with in the past that I think would lend their sound to what I'm doing, then that's the call that I make as far as, you know, trying to get my sounds together. So we sort of Frankenstein, you know, <laughs> albums together, and I've done 20 of them, so <laughs> we piece them together. I know that's right. Who are some of the individuals that you bounce your ideas off of? There's a few people. There's actually, I'm, I'm not like really good at entitling records, so mm -hmm. I have a couple of friends that I call, like there's a, a woman in particular in uh, Philadelphia, a woman named Deanna Williams, and every time and most times that I've done a record, I'll play it for her first, and she always has a way with words. So she'll say something that'll that'll kind of lead me to entitling a record a particular way. Like uh, I played her one album I'd done years ago, and I didn't know what to call it. And she heard it, and she just said, oh, my God, it just... It, 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 it sounds like just, just rich, deep chocolate, you know, just like uh, just all these songs. It just sound like chocolate drops. I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a borrowed, you know, borrowed her words and, and came up with the title. And even with this record, this record is entitled Soul Survivor, but I was going to entitle the record 2030, meaning 20 albums, 30 mm -hmm. years. And I told it to a friend of mine, a uh, brother named Hollis King, who I worked with at another record company. And he just said, man, that sounds a little cold and impersonal. He said, man, you know, you started this whole race out with a whole bunch of artists that do what you do. And when you look back on the journey, very few of them are left. Mm -hmm. He said, man, so you survived, man. You're a soul survivor. It's like, bing, there's my title, soul survivor. How has faith and family been a part of this journey? Well, I mean, if you don't have any faith, uh, you have nothing. Because, I mean, if you're a recording artist, you're kind of, you're an artist. You have to take that word and, and you're, you're leaning on your art. And people sometimes, art is subjective. <laughs> you know, some mm -hmm. people love art or your art and some people don't like it. So you're, you're kind of. You're, you're leaning on your faith always when you record. Back in 2007, I got, like, really sick. Right. I don't mean, like, take a Tylenol and you'll be all right in a, in a couple of hours sick. I mean, I got, like, that other kind of sick. Mm -hmm. And in my, my, I'm trying to find the right words, in, in, not, in, in my immobility, I wasn't right. able to move. I was in a hospital bed and in a wheelchair for about a year and a half. And it makes you build your faith up. You have to believe in something. And it renewed my faith and it restored my faith. So, you know, you have to believe that everything is possible. And you're talking to me right now. And that was 
11 years ago, 10 years ago, close to 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I have lots of faith. And my family was by my side the whole time, encouraging me and helping me get back to me. So faith and family is unbelievably important to me, and you have to have it in life. No, that's right. Are you still a spokesperson for the American Stroke Association? Absolutely, yeah. I became a spokesperson many, many years ago. They were doing a campaign to sort of raise heart and health awareness or heart health awareness, and they had a lot of celebrities and recording artists kind of read off the sheet, you know, do these PSA things, they call them. And I had done it, and I kind of took it to heart because, uh, when I was very young, my grandmother had a massive stroke, mm-hmm. and it always affected me. So when they approached me to be a part of this campaign, um, yeah, it's very easy to read the copy that they give you and to make speeches, but we sort of took it to another level, and we came up with a campaign called Strike Against Strokes. Okay. And what we were doing was doing bowling events across the country, so hence the word strike. And we would get the public to come out to these events, and the American Heart Association would be there as well. So you could get screenings, pamphlets, and all these things to sort of raise your awareness as far as stroke and, 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 and heart disease, and also have a good time at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that was you know, my contribution, and still is my contribution to the American Heart Association. Who are some of the artists that you listen to today? Well, there's a host of artists. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of new, young, up-and-coming artists that I listen to and, and, and I appreciate and I love. And also, you know, I love my classic artists. As I said before, like your Stevie's, your Luther's, your Earth, Wind & Fire's. There's a lot of music out there that I think gets is not tapped into. Mm-hmm. But a lot of young artists are out there doing their thing. I mean, even... Young, as far as recording is concerned, artists like Gregory Porter, though he's, you know, slightly older as a man, as a recording artist, he's still somewhat new. He has like three records out. So, you know, I enjoy listening to to artists that are up and coming and doing their thing and they have their individual styles. And I love it. I mean, it's inspiring. How has the industry changed over the years? (laughs) Well, when I started out, it was... (laughs) It was vinyl, it was CDs and cassettes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now vinyl and and CDs, especially vinyl and cassette, are novelties. Right. You know, now they put them out and and they go, yeah, retro, you know, (laughs) get Mm. the retro sound. (laughs) Like, when I was coming up, that was the sound. That was it. That was the only means of playing music. So now we're in MP3s and WAV files and AIFF and you know, you used to go to stores and purchase music. You used to go to stores and hear music mm-hmm. and to, you know, to inspire you to buy music or to purchase music. Now, we used to have listening parties of, like, say, if you were per- you were to purchase a record and I didn't have it as of yet, you say, hey, Will, why don't you come on by, man? I got this new Earth, Wind & Fire record. Why don't you come by and listen to it? Right. And it would be a social event. Now, you just see people with their earbuds on. Like, no one... You know, no one participates in the the the, the love of music process, or you mm-hmm. know, unless you go out to a club or something like that. But it right. used to be, if if it was a Friday and a record came out and you had the record, man, I'm coming over to come hear this record, and it would be a social event. So everything, as far as this industry, has changed. The purchasing process has changed. 
you used to go to a store and buy a record. Now you go online, mm. and in some cases, you can just get it for free. You know, if you want to hear something, you can go to YouTube and go listen to it as opposed to purchasing the product. So, you know, everything has changed. We used to sell hundreds of thousands of records or millions of records, and, you know, now we're, you know, we're in the thousands. You know, and it's it's a very sad thing to see that art and entertainment has kind of come down to that. So right. everything as far as the music industry, uh, what's left of it has changed. With the advent of social media, how has that affected you as an artist, but also the, the availability of, of seeing your music out there uh, as quick as possible? Once it's well, one thing that I always say, and, and you know, people tend to, you know, some agree, some don't. To me, one of the greatest inventions ever made was the Internet, to me. Also, one of the worst inventions ever made was the Internet. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it has given us possibilities that seem endless. Any answer you want, and go to the Internet. But it also gives us a sense of intelligence that we really don't have. And it also gives people the opportunity to to play on a major field, which is a plus and a minus. You know, it gives the opportunity for someone who thinks they're a journalist to be a journalist. It gives the opportunity for someone who thinks that they're uh, a recording artist to believe that they're a recording artist. But there's a huge difference between the person that lives next door to you who sings or tries to sing, mm-hmm. and Stevie Wonder. But on the Internet, it really ain't that much of a difference. If you can post more than they post for Stevie Wonder, then you're more important than Stevie Wonder (laughs) or or anyone else that comes out. So that's the plus and the minus. The plus is, yeah, you have access to the world. The minus is the world has access to the world. So, you know, anyone who says that, that that's what they are, if they post it enough on Instagram, Facebook, you know, whatever it is, uh, LinkedIn, whatever it is, then then that's what you are. But you're really not. So what you're doing is you're watering down and you're taking away from the importance of music that's really neat, that really needs to be heard. And you're dumbing down the art. Anyone can be an artist now. Right. Everyone's not an artist. Will so you... that's the that's the plus and the minus. I understand. Will you get immediate reaction once you're in the studio uh, doing a recording session? But how important it is for you to go out on the road for the live performances to get the reaction from from your fans? Well, I mean, to me, that's what separates the men from the boys. Okay. And the women from the, you know, the girls from the women. You know, the live performance is the only thing that's really left as far as entertainment is concerned that you can't mess with. Mm-hmm. You go out there and you perform. No one can, you know, that there's no denying that either you're good or you're not good. <laughs> that, that's it, you know. And the immediate reaction that you get when when you're performing live will let you know, you know, if in fact you have the goods to be able to survive in this business. And the live performances has become everything, you know. Really, it's it's the it's the point that that keeps your popularity alive. You know, people see you and you kind of go, oh, yeah, I'm coming back and I'm going to see this person again. So it's the gift that, ge- that keeps on giving. Any final comments, Mr. Downing? 
Well, I mean, I always like to thank the people that have been supportive of me and my music over all these years and the way that you can keep up with where I'm going to be and what I'm doing. You can go to willdowning.com or I'm Will Downing Singer on Facebook or I'm Will Downing 3 at Twitter. So, you know, look me up and find out where I'm going to be and what I'm doing. And you know, hopefully people will continue to support me and come on out to the shows and enjoy themselves. And go pick up Soul Survivor. It's a great album. No, that's right. I thank you for your longevity and your music. Man, I thank you for you, my man. I appreciate that. I'm not the guy that claims to be the perfect guy when it comes to love. And yes, I made some mistakes, but I pray it's not too late. When it comes to you Girl, I'm not ashamed To say that I was wrong Questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard is over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at kut.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Henson Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, One University Station, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, One University Station, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.